You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Tegan, I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I am joined by Erasmus, Patience and Seema to discuss the topic of overcoming challenges in a cross-functional team. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Rasmus, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm Rasmus. I'm CTO of MyStamp, which is a Swedish company based in Gothenburg. We are uh, doing a, di- a digitalization of a loyalty system for small or minor merchants. Uh, we're also uh, located in uh, Amsterdam, uh, have a small team there. So uh, my, me, myself, I, I, I'm, I'm really into tech and uh, want to bring as much value as I can to my customers uh, that we have. Fantastic. Thank you, Rasmus. And we'll head over to Patients next. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Patience Allen, and I'm currently CEO at Allen Consulting, but I've worked for the last 25 years or so in a lot of big international corporations, government agencies, small startups, you name it. I've worked in it as a manager for and part of a lot of different cross-functional teams. So they can get a little bit crazy sometimes and they've got a lot of different challenges, but my main passion and focus is uh, people and making sure that people are happy and motivated and doing what they love. Um, And I think that's really a lot of it under it, but we can chat about that later. So that's a bit about me. Fantastic, thank you Patience. And based in Oslo, in case that matters. (laughs) And of course, I should mention now that you are a returning participant to the Evolution Exchange. You are part of the Evolution Exchange family now. Um, So we're we're very grateful to have you back on. Seema, we'll come to you next. Uh, Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Seema. I work as a product manager at Microsoft in Dublin, uh, Ireland. Uh, I'm mainly working on building low-code to no-code applications that can be used by nearly 2 billion frontline workers in different industries. So that's extremely exciting. Before I moved to Dublin last year, I was living in Stockholm for nearly 12 years and mainly working with the gaming industry and titles like Star Stable and Candy Crush. Out of work, I'm a bit of an adventure traveler and I do lots of climbing and cycling and I'm super excited to be here. Nice, fantastic. Well, now that we've established a context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. Now, you all have a question or statement based around overcoming challenges in a cross-functional team. As usual, just for the listeners, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So let's start with Rasmus. Rasmus, your question was working in an agile fashion, focusing on delivering the most business values, products improvements at the highest priority. It can put the workload on a few people in the team and finding the balance can be challenging. Rasmus, could you elaborate on this a little bit further for me, please? Yeah, yeah, of course. So 
usually in a system you have different parts of it. We have, for instance, at MySnap, we have the app, we have a back office where the, the merchants can administrate their loyalty system. We have a administrator system for, uh, for the people in-house and we also have the server, of course, with, uh, so having different core uh, competences in the team and but might not always align with what you think you are going to do in, in the sort of the business way. So we think that we need to maybe, for instance, re, uh, redesign the app. Then it's like, okay, yeah, if that's like the high priority, what should you sort of do with the backend developer or the, the front-end developer? So those kind of situations can come up and can be challenging to plan around. So it would be great to have, uh, Patience and Seema's uh, input to that. Fantastic. I think you pose a great question there, Rasmus. Of course, you don't want one member of the team kind of taking on the workload for potentially three members of the team, um, as situations like that do often lead to burnout. Now, Patience and Seema, I'm also intrigued to hear your thoughts on this. So, Patience, I'll come to you first. Sure, and I think that's a common challenge. A lot of teams, especially when you have people in teams who are specialists, like specialized front-end developers and UXers and back-end developers, and you don't really have the quote-unquote full-stack developer who can do everything, right? And so as soon as you start getting into these kinds of specializations, you're gonna get bottlenecks. And, you know, sort of that, that can be a really, really big challenge, but uh, there's a few things that, you know, I've been lucky enough to uh, have and luck is in quotes, which is where sometimes you're in a position where you're not just building one product with one feature. You've got multiple business needs that are being thrown at you at the same time. And so if you're lucky enough, you can juggle those so they're staggered. And while your backend folk are doing, working on project A or feature A, your front end people can be prepping and doing feature B or C. Um, and sometimes you can vary it that way, but sometimes that's just not possible either. And I've often used that downtime with people and challenged them to say, are there any updates we need to be doing? Is there any security holes, any things that we have been putting on the back burner that we should be doing now related to security or quality or um, training for you or for others? Um, I've also taken the opportunity to ask people to cross train a bit so that if for any reason those, you know, one, two, 15 people who are bottlenecked all catch COVID, all go on vacation at the same time. I've got somebody else who's got a clue what they're doing and maybe could pitch head a little bit. Um, and by cross-training people a little bit, it also eases up the bottleneck. Um, but those have been mostly my strategies and that certainly doesn't solve everything, but it's, it's helped a bit. But then you can also encourage people to just take vacation. <laughs> vacation is the answer to everything <laughs> oh no that's great patience thank you and Seema I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this 
Absolutely. And I, I really love what patients said about the vacation. <laughs> I definitely need that. Uh, absolutely. I also think this is a great um, example, especially in the engineering teams. It's happened that, um, of course, people can be specialized front and back end or full stack, but we should also keep in mind the aspect of interest, not everyone is interested to work on all the projects that you show them. So a few trips that actually helped me with my engineering teams were that um, sometimes people are doing the things that uh, keep them occupied, but at the end of the day is not actually the expected outcome that is going to help the team. So what I usually do is that if I see the team is extremely busy, usually we say like we're too busy to improve if that happens then I, I usually sit with them and try to understand the 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 workload that they have how is their capacity and then where the interest is uh, lying um, and then we also try to consider a bit of a time for maintenance and you know about bashing uh, tasks like that and then out of the the time that is left we obviously cannot do everything together. So sometimes the team is the decision maker about what needs to be worked on, but in other places, it's usually a list of things that is coming from the main stakeholders. So when you have that um, workload, uh, when you have the capacity of your team, and then you take it to the stakeholders and kind of try to reason, reason with them, like why, that you believe that the workload is too much um, and how it can be balanced in a better way. Uh, in most cases, they're very understanding. So they try to kind of change their perspective and balance out the workload. And at the end of the day, it's always about uh, including your team in the conversations and making sure that they do to understand why certain priorities are more important and have to be done first and some other task needs to be done prioritized. Okay, brilliant. So I suppose there's been, um, you know, a, a lot of kind of solutions and different management styles and, and ways of overcoming this um, spoken about. So Rasmus, I'm going to circle back to you and, and how do you feel in conclusion? Yeah, yeah, I, th I I mostly agree with the patients and and Sima. Like you have some maybe sometimes good downtime that you can take care of and actually take a step back, look at the situation you are in, and re reflect a little bit and maybe follow some uh, user journeys or you have some cleanup tasks that you can do. Uh, you can also, as a patient said, like. Um, cross learn I think the term was that you maybe go into a little bit in the back and maybe we can help out a little bit and hopefully the team should be such involved in the in the product development that they understand why we needed to maybe as I said as an example like redesign the app because that's the most important thing like if if they don't understand that then you have some some kind of issue with the alignments of of what you're doing so uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think kind of the whole the whole point of of bringing these challenges to light is that a lot of the time a fresh set of eyes and a different kind of managerial st style just really does make all of the difference. And, you know, 
all the points that you raise are right you know patients with the vacation and Seema with taking the time for yourself I think you're definitely on the right tracks here um okay fantastic well patients will come to you next and your question was many people are only concerned with their area and sometimes feel frustrated having to listen to updates from the other roles in stand-ups or don't understand the consequences of what that person is doing for their work this leads to internal divisions and lack of coordination between areas not to mention poorly built products I think you make a fantastic point of how much of an impact uh, negative energy within the team or the inability to work cross-functionally in a team how much that actually impacts the end product so patients if you could just elaborate on this a little bit further for me sure um, I feel that this is sort of minor in teams that are mostly tech people so if it's a team of front-end developers back-end developers testers architects this is usually not a really big problem i i see that it it tends to pop up a bit more when you have teams where you maybe have a lawyer in there with a back-end developer um, or people who have radically different roles and they don't really understand each other's language and they don't really know what that other person really does or why, you know, sort of how to communicate it to them. And so I see a lot of uh, disconnect when, you know, a, a tech lead might say, well, we need to say redesign the app. And the lawyers are like, well, no, we've got a map. <laughs> like, come on, I just want this new feature. And they don't understand that in order to get that new feature, 15 other things on the back end that you can't even see have to be rearranged because it is literally impossible to provide that feature with the code as it is written uh, and the way it was originally set up because it was never thought to be able to do that function or that feature. Um, and so I think a lot of times when you have stand-ups where you try to get people in sync and have them sort of talk just quick five minutes every day, people sort of tune out when it's not their bit, when it's, it's not the area that they're most concerned about. And then all of a sudden it comes around and it smacks them in the face and they've built something that doesn't work for what the end goal is. And so, um, a lot of times I've uh, sort of looked at, okay, can we do demos? Can we have sessions where people explain a bit more sort of what the consequences are, what this enables, what the limitations are? Um, and I found that to be very helpful, but I'd be very curious to hear other ideas of uh, what you guys, uh, Rasmus and Seema, what you've experienced and how you would sort of tackle that when you've got non-tech and tech very involved in product development. Um, and how do you approach that in a way where everybody's happy to listen to each other and, and learn more about each other's stuff? Yeah, I think kind of the key to this question is how to approach it in the best way, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely something that we could gain more of an insight into. So Seema, I'll come to you first. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, sure, absolutely. And I really like um, patients. This is a very common <laughs> 
problem that I see in a lot of tech teams as well. I think I would usually start with the why. That's the main question. So why do they even need to be on that stand up? Why is it important for them to be informed about different areas that the team is giving the update? So sometimes I, I think um, the lack of interest is coming from what's in it for me. Why do I need to kind of be here while I could dedicate my time doing something else? But um, there is a, a very good uh, practice called RACI, which kind of helps people to understand whether they're responsible for a specific task or accountable, or they just need to be consulted or informed. So I would, uh, especially with non-technical people where they don't really know why they're there, they cannot even relate or kind of belong to the, to the topic and the concept uh, from a tech perspective. I would, I would do this um, exercise with them and understand like, what is it that they can have an impact on and why they need to be there and how the team can actually help them in order to do their job in an easier way. I think when they're convinced on that, they're usually more willing to participate. Yeah, I completely agree with your point there, Seema. I think when people understand why other people are so important to their business essentially every time you go to work you are your own business you control how you conduct yourself you control how you react to certain situations um, and of course that all comes under personal personal brand sorry and I think being able to work cross-functionally and in an agile environment is something that is kind of mandatory nowadays is it not um okay brilliant so I would say maybe Rasmus, how do you feel about this? Um, yeah, so I I have some maybe some different takes as well, and it's like one one thing is that it's it's very you have to be careful if to if you have like this weekly or biweekly maybe bigger meetings or so uh, that you don't share maybe irrelevant information because then people tends to zone out and then they come becomes into that pattern. So the next time you say something important or that everyone needs to be careful, they are maybe already zoomed out and like it's a lot of information going on. So it, it can be a bit uh, overwhelming to take in. Uh, and I think like, as, uh, as you said, Sima, with starting with the why, I think that's very important and basically find what does everyone unite around in in this group or this company that are talking in a certain area and it's usually the goals like what do we want to achieve as an area or or a company so if you're starting with like the goal and and try to get your topic in align aligning with the goal like how are we or my team uh, moving us closer to this goal that we want to want to be in and and putting the the things that you're talking maybe into that context it's it can be easier for one working in another area that's also working towards this goal like how we do it uh, together um so i think that's one, one way to state like when you are doing this like starting with the why which i think is is important um yeah i think in terms of Definitely starting with the why is kind of the key to any situation, because as soon as you understand why that is, 
you then have the ability to act on it whichever way you see fit um but I think just going back to what you said there Erasmus about kind of taking accountability obviously working cross-functionally in hindsight sounds like being able to work well as a team no matter how kind of distant you are or how many different kind of tech stacks or different hierarchical positions in that team essentially you are one team but I think a lot of it does boil down to being accountable for your job within that team um okay brilliant well I'm keen to obviously hear how you felt that that went patient so I'll come back to you sure and I think I think um most teams are pretty good about the why. The, I think the challenge is that everybody's coming at the same why from different perspectives. And so how they achieve that are, you know, 20 different pathways to the same end result. And it's trying to align those different pathways, you know, so that you end up getting, you know, sort of everybody in, you know, understanding okay, if we build it with this toggle switch, you know, what does that mean? What, do, what, how does that really look? What are the consequences of that? And oftentimes I find that the challenge is that the, the tech people who are building that toggle switch or that whatever it is, haven't really thought about the long-term consequences of that. They've thought about the immediate need. They've thought about the immediate you know, within how to do that in a secure and very elegant way in many cases, but they haven't sort of thought about the long-term strategy and how, uh, how that feeds in. And that's in most cases, sort of the only thing the non-techs are thinking about is a long-term strategy, but they're not always very good at uh communicating that in a very detailed manner and so there's there's uh, often a bit of a disconnect between those two even though you both have the same end goal of being able to allow people to log into the new app right like everybody agrees on that but it's it's the the details where people seem to get out of sync because they don't understand what that means and, and so I, I totally appreciate um, your comments, Seema and Rasmus. And I, you know, I've definitely tried several of those. I just think, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I find a fascinating challenge. And I'm always like, ooh, how can I tackle it differently today? <laughs> I think definitely coming to the same issue with um, a fresh mindset is something that's going to help you kind of for sure overcome it. Um, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, that's a that's a fantastic conclusion there. Um, I'm really keen to to move on to the next question as it's Seema's question, and that is how to deal with a team member with negative attitude, someone who tries to potentially boss around the others and is really not collaborative within the team. How would you overcome this? So Seema, I'll circle back to yourself. If you could just kind of push on this a little bit further and let me know what you meant by this. Absolutely. Um, so I think this is a very common trend um, in, uh, I mean, I've only worked with the uh, tech teams, so I can only speak from that perspective. But 
uh, it happens uh, sometimes that you'll get in usually perhaps a bit of a more senior people in your team, which they feel like they have the authority to kind of decide for other less senior people in the team to assign tasks to them and even, you know, um, take the credit for the for the things that they're doing. Uh, for instance, also, it had happened that uh, I've experienced situations where um, the person who was more senior without really communicating uh, and confirming things with the other team members. They just went ahead and took some actions and then they just gave the FYI summary of the actions. And that results in a bit of a low morale and you know lack of psychological safety in the team. So I would like to ask Rasmus and Patient's opinion on how would you in these situations approach so that it doesn't come across as very uh, you know, obviously you want to understand the person, why she or he is doing that, but also kind of protect the team so that you resolve this issue with the least amount of damage. Fantastic. And I think, of course, you know, in any natural situation, when somebody comes to you with an issue, first of all, manager, you know, manager roles aside, you want to try and help them with it. You want to try and, and fix it or provide a solution. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely understanding is key throughout this whole process, especially from a managerial position. So Rasmus, we'll come to you first for your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think all, always with conflicts is it's really good to talk to the to the person like as first step uh, and not to to get to get to like what they how they see it uh, and their points and then then all, uh, also when you are like working in a team like try to really promote uh, the behavior you want to see in people so uh, some things that that I would do is to maybe the people who get then pu pushed around or maybe then don't say, say their voice because maybe someone is more senior and uh, have a say in everything to directly like ask them what do they think and also uh, like how do you say it uh, I forgot the English word <laughs> sorry for that but uh, that you promote their kind of like what they did good or lift it up to the team like yeah you did this really good so you build their confidence and promote the behavior that you you want to see um, uh, in the working uh, uh, work life, so um, that that's that's usually what how how I do it. But yeah, I guess some situations come up that yeah, it doesn't work. But yeah, you made a huge point there, Rasmus, about kind of setting an expectation, which I think really is a huge part of this process. In order to work cross-functionally, there has to be expectations in place. Um, okay, brilliant. So um, patients will come to you next. How do you feel about this? I, I think definitely those points uh, that Rasmus raised are very important. Uh, listening to people, hearing both sides of the story, uh, trying to understand where people are coming from and, and what's motivating them in order to figure out sort of why they're reacting the way they are uh, and talking to them about that. But I think also some of that sometimes stems from the fact that some of us are really, really good at certain things and we're in positions 
where that strength turns out to be a negative. You know, we can't be who we are and we can't do what we're best at because the positions doesn't really quite fit us perfectly. And as a, a manager of a team, I think one way to, that you have at your disposal is to think differently about positions and try to move away from this is what this position is and this is what this person is responsible for, period, and this is what I expected them. But think about the sort of the mix of people in your team and maybe divide up tasks and duties differently so that people can shine in different arenas. And yeah, it might not be part of a traditional uh, full stack or, you know, backend developer role that they're doing, you know, roadmaps or something, but if they're really awesome at it, then, hey, <laughs> I don't really care as a manager. I want the people who love doing something and who just are gonna automatically do it anyway because they can't help themselves from doing it you know like take that energy take that motivation take that drive and try to put it in a type of role or position where you can take advantage of it and so it's a win for the whole team rather than causing all this frustration and 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 unhappiness um, because a lot of times I see like, you know, somebody who's trying to, who's bossing around others, often it's because they just think very structured and they're like, well, we should do this first. Of course we should do, you know, like it's very clear in their head and they're just in a position where it's not okay for them to be the one providing the structure. And so maybe you change that up. And maybe you talk openly about that in the team and, and see what, you know, how people think about that and changing different roles and different tasks. And you don't necessarily have to formally, you know, make them, give them a new title, um, but just agree with amongst yourselves who does what and talk about each other's strengths um, and acknowledge the weaknesses because, you know, some things people are really bad at and that's okay, but then there's somebody else who's going to be really good at it. And how can we sort of fill in for each other? Um, and, and that's sort of a, a, a secondary thing to consider doing, you know, obviously what Rasmus said would be the first thing. Absolutely. You know, do that first. Um, but if you've tried all that and, and you've still got these different issues and, and you really, you want to keep this person because they're very skilled and they're, they're clever at their job, you know, maybe, you know, you can consider this secondary approach as an option. I think in terms of identifying people's strengths, that has a massive part to play in, um, you know, ensuring that your team is one high performing and two working together well you know if everybody has the ability to work in a team otherwise you wouldn't be in the team um but i think definitely identifying other people's strengths and kind of also identifying weaknesses to be honest because obviously they also play a key part in this whole process so i think you make a fantastic point patience um seema i'm keen to circle back to you and and if you could kind of conclude this for us 
Absolutely, and thank you, Rasmus, and patience. Really, really great tips. Uh, I do totally agree with what Rasmus said regarding giving the feedback to person and also include the examples of how the, the thing that they did or the thing that they said made other people perhaps uncomfortable or insecure. But I also really loved what patients said regarding people having different superpowers, right? So in order to use their superpowers, we can um, see how we can leverage, right? In even different uh, situations that happens in the team and obviously have the talk with them and try not to avoid uncomfortable discussions in the team. So I think otherwise it will build up and people will develop negative feelings towards each other, which is really toxic. So I think um, I got really good tips um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Fantastic. And I'll head over to Rasmus. I think you have something to add. Yeah, I think so. I think what you touched there, patients, like putting a person in the correct environment is so crucial because a, a person can be so very skilled in something and so poorly in another area. So when he's forced to do something else or yeah, it, it's not causing anything good. So but when he got into the right context, it's just like a, it's so good. <laughs> it's basically superpowers, as you, as you said. So I just wanted to to highlight that uh, that point that you made, and I, I think that that's usually why something someone is maybe not acting as good because they have to do this maybe uh, this stuff that they are not interested in, uh, and not doing what they love and really driving it forward. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to to highlight that. No, I think it's definitely important, obviously, that we do highlight that because in to be honest, it does kind of tie the whole thing together. And I think working cross-functionally, being transparent with each other, being able to identify strengths and, you know, kind of celebrate people for what they are good at and what they're not good at really, really is the glue to kind of hold a cross-functional team together. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, I think it's been a fantastic conversation. We'll leave it there for today. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Rasmus, Patience, and Seema for joining me and providing their insights into the topic and thank you for listening. See you again next time.